You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. You know, when Trump said at Charlottesville, uh, there are good people on both sides. What we discovered is he was half right. There are people on both sides. (laughs) We knew that. That party was right, but he was wrong about the good part. What we've learned about society, especially over this course of this year, with the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement in America, but also with the Me Too movement before that, what we've learned is that more than anything nowadays, the trouble with America is there are bad people on both sides. And I know this is a bleak message, and it's a bleak podcast, and it's a bleak concept, but I think we just have to face it. Um, We used to be uh, a country, perhaps a world, but certainly a country where at the end of the day, people have moral standards, and they wanted to do the right thing, and that was the norm. And sure, you had people doing, you know, backhanded deals and you had greed and you had corruption and you had murder and rape and all the crimes that we have. They always existed. But at the end of the day, when you talk about the majority of the people and what is okay, that's important. It's important what you're allowed to do in public versus what you're shamed from doing in public. You know, the type of behavior that is the norm The social mores of a culture are important, very important, not just the laws. I mean, people know right from wrong in terms of law, but what they're allowed to get away with when they are out in the sunlight, out in broad daylight, is very important. You know, what we, what's acceptable, what kind of behavior do we tolerate? And there's no question that having this man who will not be named any further because I, I named him at the very beginning. With having this man at president, we've normalized, you know, just so many forms of nasty behavior. And not only that, but this man has provoked so many different types of people in our culture who already feel somewhat paranoid, deservedly so, uh, women and minorities and they, they have felt persecuted through much of their lives. They've been through, uh, you know, the ringer in terms of being slaves or being unallowed, not allowed to vote in this country, being considered sort of like secondary citizens. So they have a history that has led to some paranoia and some inferiority complex. And then when you provoke them by blatant racism or sexism, you're going to cause them to be extra agitated extra paranoid and so what you find is that even amongst these hallowed groups these perfect all saintly you know sectors you know the gays the women the blacks there are bad people there are bad people who are black who are part of the movement for black lives matters there are black women who are part of the i mean i'm sorry there are women who are part of the me too movement who are bad people you know, there are gays who are part of the, the LGBTQ movement who are bad people. You know, there are 
there are bad people on both sides. And so what, what you discover from, from this, this president and his provocation of so many people and his abhorrent behavior in so many ways is it's stirring up the ugliness in mankind and womankind and uh, it's bringing out the worst in people, you know? The whole phrase, the cream rises to the top. Well, um, you know, if, if, if you stir a, a bucket of shit, it can have as much sunshine in it as you want, but the shit's going to be mixed in with it, and it's going to bob up to the top as well. And that's that's really what uh, this president has done. He's just stirred up the shit in our bucket of the United States. And, um, you know, it's very easy to... to, to criticize that man to know factually we need to get him out of office to save the nation it's clear it's clear he's on the side of russia he won't even discuss uh, the issue of bounties on united states troops with putin when he's on a phone call with him because he says well that's pretty much fake news meanwhile it's not and he said well i never got to my desk but it's fake news well which is it did you never address it because it was never officially brought to you or do you already know that it's bullshit? You know, so he just waffled, and he's just a very bad man, and he's siding with these every 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 position he takes with our allies, like Germany now currently trying to punish them for removing troops because they're back on their payments to NATO. Um, they've always been, you know, delinquent in their payments. So what? He's just trying to hurt anyone who's. Uh, not a friend of Putin, um, and it's always that's always what he's done. He's taken the Russia party line in here in America. Um, we'll never know the reason because Mueller had every opportunity to discover the reason, and he and he failed. So um, and he failed to prosecute anything. So um, you know, unfortunately, corruption is there. We know it's there. It's obvious. We have a, a puppet of Russia running our country, and we can't do anything about it. You know, except vote him out. Will the, will the election even stand? I don't know. With an attorney general like Barr, who's crooked as all get out, uh, who knows if we'll even be able to process this election fairly and squarely and legally remove this president. But that all aside, what I'm even more concerned about is the state of the people of this country. You get into a what should be a rather congenial sports debate on Twitter and the black sports personality just won't let anything go and, and then accuses you of racism in the end because he's so agitated and so paranoid because of the current culture. And so you have two people that share similar political views who like the same sports team who should be having a sort of an even fairly well modulated debate but it turns into it degrades into ugliness because one of the parties is black and just decides to make it a race issue and play the race card and you see this with men and women uh, occurring frequently nowadays much more than it used to a lot of men being accused of hating women of misogyny it's it's a card that's played all the time now i mean you can't basically disagree with one of these minorities or women without being 
charged with the fact that you disagree is based on racism or the fact that your disagree is based on misogyny. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the underlying rationale for your disagreement is always assailed now. And this is, this is because of we're in a culture where the basis nature is, is, is how people are reacting, how they're thinking. And so that's how they attack as well. And the ugliness comes out. So it used to be we had a culture where even in the Senate, the reason you need 60 votes to pass things is because you would have to get some people from the other side. There has to be a true consensus between both parties. We didn't want the Senate to become, you know, all the Democrats always vote together and all the Republicans always vote together. And it's a two-party system and you just have to gerrymander, you know, correctly so that you get the representation in the right areas so that you win the vote so that you get the senators to take the state and you get the congressmen to take the state. You know, we, uh, we, uh, we've just changed things now so badly. We've allowed it to become like a sporting event, an ugly sporting event, like a soccer match where the fans have stormed the field, where it's like a mini war, where where what is really supposed to be a political uh, balance between people trying to reach consensus to get things done has now become these two warring factions. And really, you know, the differences of opinion aren't that great in a lot of areas and shouldn't be. And at the end of the day, um, even Trump voters, uh, I said his name again, damn it, and uh, those who did not vote and would never have dared vote for Trump, agree on so many things. And really in this country, I mean, it's a shame if you're racist, and I hate that part of someone, but I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to, now if I were black, maybe I wouldn't associate with a racist, right? But um, as a white person, if I know someone's racist, but I get along with them with respect to musical taste or sports or some other issue, I can still be uh, associated with that person. But now we can't. Now we've reached a point where we all have lists. It's, it's almost like George Orwell or George Orwell's 1984 is very Orwellian, as they say, when we have, it's like we have these checklists. And if the person across from me, you know, if I can check 15 of these 20 items, then I must condemn that person. Or maybe it's even three items. Or maybe it's just two. How do you vote? Blue or red? Up, oh, red, bad guy. And certainly the Republicans during this, during Obama's presidency, thwarting every movie made right down to not letting him nominate Merrick Garland for the Supreme Court, uh, even though he was still president uh, because they claimed it was a lame duck year and so they didn't have to approve because they had the power in the Senate. They had the majority. So they didn't have to approve the nomination and put it up for a vote. Um, so they did that and stole a Supreme Court seat. Um, I mean, that's the kind of tactics they did then, and now with Trump in charge, they've done it again. The Republicans have really decided to make this. It's as if they, they, they decided to pretend like they had the moral high ground. And so they made this an us-versus-you sporting event war, like a war, a civil war. 
And yet, nobody has less of the moral high ground than anybody who's supporting this awful man who's our president. That's clear to anybody with eyes, anybody with a soul. The Christians are, some of them are turning away from him because they have a soul and they're saying, this man has no soul, this is a bad person, what am I doing? I simply can't justify, I don't care about abortion and all these other issues are one thing, but this man is so abhorrent that I, I cannot abide by standing by this this horrible person. I mean, you don't have to be anything other than an open-hearted, kind, trying to do the right thing type of person to see that he's an awful, awful man. And yet the Republicans are standing by him still. And um, that, that I'm, you know, that, so they're driving home this, this sense of uh, us versus you in a war. This demarcation of people based upon just like one simple principle, like which side, which side, pick a side, like we're animals. It's so dumbed down. It's so overly simplified. People are much more complex than that. There is way more to us than blue or red or Democrat or Republican or even independent or I, you know, I don't believe in the system, all that crap. You don't have to believe in the political system to know the difference between right and wrong. You don't have to believe or even vote to do the right thing. I mean, if you, if you abstain from voting, I'm not going to judge you. I, I don't agree with the guilt tripping of people that don't vote. It's their right not to vote, too. It's their right, you know, not to watch sports if they don't like sports. It's their right not to eat broccoli if they're George Bush. It, they, people have the right to make these choices. And I, we live in a culture now where everybody's shamed or disgraced in a negative way unless they they meet a certain, like I said, checklist of standards. And what you see is it just everything then devolves into an ugly argument, an ugly battle, and everything's so loveless, and everything's so angry, and everything's so um, antagonistic. There's so much conflict everywhere because that button has been pushed. That shit bucket has been stirred up by the man in charge. And... What we discover is there are indeed bad people on both sides. There are bad people among us. There is bad within us. As Jimmy Carter once famously said, I have lusted in my heart. (laughs) There is lust in our hearts. There is anger in our hearts. There's judgment in our hearts. There's vindictiveness and hatred in our hearts. And... Apparently, we live in a culture now where it's perfectly okay to, to act on it all the time as long as you rationalize it. And certainly if you do it for money, you can absolutely be as hateful and nasty and mean as you want because, hey, you were doing it for money and you'd, you'd have done the same. That's, that's the other thing. It's a big cop-out anymore. Moral, immoral, just rank behavior, just the worst obscenities. I mean, the type of lying and cheating, it's, it's all okay if you were just trying to get a few extra bucks. Come on. All of us just want to get money. Who are you to pretend like you're above being shady to get an extra payday? Really? I saw the story of this man in Florida. I'm not even going to mention his name because it's such a disgusting story, but it made me laugh. He wrote a letter with his father justifying murdering his entire family, saying he didn't do it, lying, but it was so hysterical. 
But if you get down to why this guy who had his own business, physical therapy business, had built their own home, had, had owned rental properties, you'd think the guy had money. Well, he didn't. He was being sued by uh, three different uh, insurance companies because he engaged in fraud where he filed claims with Medicare and other things. He was being investigated by the uh, Inspector General's Department of Health and Human Services because of his insurance fraud claims. And he had lawsuits because of non-payment on uh, defaulting on loans. The guy was up to his ears in, in, in debt and sh- and just stole money and lied and cheated and swindled. And then when it was all collapsing around him, what did he do? I'll murder my three kids and my wife because I'm too discreet. They're not going to take my family from me too. I'll, I'll take my family from the world. And then I'll lie about it and pretend like I didn't do it and blame it on my dead wife who I murdered. This is the culture we live in. I mean, this kind of monster, it's all about, well, I just kept moving the shells around to make the money work for me. And then when it blew up, then I just killed everyone. I mean, this is where it's leading. People need to realize it's not okay to just get money. It's not okay to lie a little, steal a little, cheat a little because, hey, it's, it's money. You'd have done the same to get that money. No, I wouldn't have. I've earned every penny I've ever had in my entire life. That's why I don't have a lot of them. <laughs> it's hard to make, get a lot of pennies when you live an honest life, but at least you live an honest life. And when you retire, or whatever you have is yours. And if you, you know... You've, you've got to try harder if you, if you want to have something. You've got to, I guess, put in more time. You've got to, you know, got to do what you have to do, but in an honest way. I don't think doing the right thing ever goes out of style. I don't think it should ever become unfashionable to do the right thing. I don't think knowing the difference between right and wrong is something that is, should be changed by public opinion. You know, we're not Roman gladiators. It's not thumbs up, thumbs down in the arena. You know, we're better than that. We've, we've grown beyond that, haven't we? America's turned into, you know, the, the, the decline of Rome. You know, I guess they, they always say great civilizations all come to an end. They never last forever. But I don't believe that. I don't believe that the country of the United States is is finished. I don't believe in that because the people keep coming in and we are always evolving. We aren't set in stone. And I mean, part of the problem in our country, why there's so much upheaval is some of us here don't want anything to change. They're trying to resist change. They want white men, old men in charge still, and they want the patriarchy and they want the money in the hands of the people that have earned it all their lives and passed it on from one family to the next. They just don't want change. They don't like all this growth. They don't like, you know, gay and lesbian rights, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So that's part of the reason for the problem. But the fact of the matter is that kind of change is good because it should prevent us from ever dying out. America should thrive. We keep welcoming new people and smartest people, the best and brightest. It should be true. But you know what's not going to, you know what's going to hurt that chance of America continually evolving and surviving and being, staying great is this lack of morality. I mean, just because we evolve and allow growth, we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and forget about some of the things that made us great. Change shouldn't have to include destroying institutions, 
Change shouldn't have to include dismissing religion and faith. Change shouldn't have to include um, swearing all the time in public and crazy behaviors become acceptable and shaming people for daring to argue with a woman or shaming people for daring to disagree with a black person. We shouldn't have to feel like uh, everybody's watching us and if we step out of line, the political correct police will tell us we're a bad person and have us morally arrested by an immoral crowd whose standards really are not based in goodness. They're based in greed and money and profiteering. I mean, the most liberal left-leaning person in the world, if you, if you really look at them, some of them are the greediest motherfuckers you'd ever want to know and the most immoral. I mean, they don't really have the greatest standing in terms of when you're talking about morality and doing right and doing good, a lot of them. You know, they, they, they really, for all of their uh, good intentions, they're bad people on both sides. And we need to remember that. So I, I didn't want to make this podcast or make this statement to bring anyone down, to be bleak, to be negative. That's not my intent. My intent is to realize that, you know, you got the log in your eye. You should take that out before you concentrate on the splinter in your brother's eye. Before you take out the speck in your sister's eye, how about you deal with the log in your own? Jesus said it, you know? I, I really think at the end of the day, we're at a crisis here in America, of a moral crisis, and it's about doing the right thing, and it's about it being so okay to hate everyone all the time and to disagree and to be so contentious. You know, it's this lack of working together for the common good. And what happened to the concept of sacrifice? Well, I really want this, but you know what? I'll do without it because it's better to do something that's good for everybody. And if I do this one thing just for me, it's going to hurt the whole more than it'll help me. I can sacrifice this. I don't need that, you know? You remember the scene from, I mean, I think this is a good way to end this podcast, good way to think of this concept. I'll leave you with this idea. Bad people on both sides, but why can't we be more like the scene from It's a Wonderful Life? And no, I don't mean the ending scene where they all came together and pitched in with a joyous celebration and gave money to George because they heard he was in trouble because he had helped them out. That's a classic, you know, moving ending, but I'm talking about the run on the bank and all those people came in and they were angry and they were afraid and they wanted their money back, the money they put into the bank. They wanted it all now because of a financial crisis and Potter couldn't wait to see the Bailey building and loan go down uh, because they didn't have all that money. You know, it's it's the, you get the money at the bank and then you put it in the property. You do things with it, and it's not all sitting there. And if everybody at once goes to a bank today, even if all of us went to any bank, dollar bank, pick a bank, and all the people that have money in that bank all went at once said, "We want all of our money out of our that we have in our accounts with you. We want it now. We have a right to it, but that bank would go under. They don't have it." It's 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 been loaned here and given out there, and you know the money's the money's in move. It's in flux at all times. They couldn't pay out all of our money. So these people go to George Bailey. They're afraid. They're concerned about their money and if it's still there, and they don't want to lose it. 
it's their life savings. So they want it back. And George explains to them, well, the money's not here. You know, the money's in your house, in your house. And, and in that, that school we built. And he tries to get them to take as little as they need, just enough to get by. But the one person says, I want every last penny. I want it all. And he says, okay, and he gives them it all. And he says, and you can close out my account. And he says, your account's still open. Come back anytime. So even with that creepy guy who, who refused to reduce the amount he wanted, George Bailey left his account open. George Bailey gave him his money because he has a right to demand it all. And uh, George Bailey didn't punish him, didn't punish him for being a stubborn prick and wanting every last penny, even though if everybody did that, if everybody had done what that one pricky guy had done, the bank would have gone under and and they wouldn't have all gotten their money. They couldn't have. It would have been a matter of like drawing straws and the last 20 people in line, well, you get nothing. We're out of money. (laughs) Everyone in front of you got exactly every penny that they had because that's what they wanted. They all acted like that first prick. So now the rest of you, sorry, got to go home, no money. So, so, so what was he asking them to do? Make a sacrifice. Take less than you want. Take less than you're technically owed. Take less than you could demand for the greater good of everybody so that everybody can have a little something. But the bank survives that. The building and loan survives. And everybody has a little and they get enough and they get by and they, they pitch in together. They, they pull their resources together. They showed empathy for one another. And they did the right thing. And the sweet little lady, and she says, I'll just take a dollar. That's all I need. Just to buy a carton of milk or whatever she says. They're all like, oh, sweet little nanny pie Malone or whatever. I'm just making up names. I have no idea what her name was. (laughs) Or what she was, how much she asked for. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie in a few years. But the point is there was that sweet lady that, that really asked for like hardly anything. And then the other lady said, well, George, how are you going to eat if you give us everything? They worried about George. They were worried about what the money that George was giving out. What about George, you know? And what about his honeymoon? It was his honeymoon. He was leaving to go on his honeymoon with his wife. And he had to stop to take care of the people. Sacrifice. And he talked to those people and he got them to sacrifice so that everybody could make it through that tough time. It was a tough time. The greed in each person, the the drive for me, 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 would have had them all saying, give me everything. Shit, it would have had George Belly driving out of town. He would have said, well, looks like there's a serious problem in that business. I hope, you know, Harry can handle it. I hope, uh, you know, the dipshit and whoever else is in charge over there Hope they do the right thing. Come on, honey, let's go party. It's our honeymoon. Woo! You know, and then he comes back and a building alone is done. Potter owns the town. Because George just, hey, he'll be damned if he's going to stop his honeymoon. Just like people today. I'll be damned if I'm going to stop my life for some virus. You know, I mean, George Bailey would have been wearing a mask all the time is what I'm saying, okay? George Bailey wouldn't have any problem. He wouldn't be going into bars and restaurants and marching around in protest with no masks on. George Bailey would be saying, you know, I'm going to try to keep my distance. I'm going to leave him out. He's gonna, George Bailey would have done the right thing. 
because, you know, with George Bailey in that movie and in America in those days, there were good people on both sides. But, but nowadays, I don't know. You ask people to make a sacrifice, they can't do it. They can't even put on a mask. Too much of a sacrifice. And anybody who screws over his neighbor for the sake of a buck, they just say, well, you'd have done the same. Trying to get the most you can. That's, that's the American way. You just grab that money. Really? That's, that's the American way? No, I, I submit that the American way was that scene from It's a Wonderful Life at the Bailey Building and Loan during the market crash when there was the run on the bank. I, I submit that that was the American way. And the true American way is sacrifice, which comes down to doing what's best for the whole, which, which is, a, is a moral call. It's a moral call. It's where you balance good and evil. It's doing the right thing, which involves often doing something that's theoretically wrong for you. I mean, it's not ideal for you. You'd like to do something else. If you had your druthers and did what was only in your interest, you wouldn't quite do this thing. But you're going to do it and make a sacrifice because it's the right thing to do. Because it's better for the whole. Because it'll help the country stay together. That's what's going on here is we're failing the reason America's in trouble is nobody's thinking of America. They're thinking of themselves. The shit bucket that the man in charge has stirred up at its core is, is selfishness. The reason there are bad people on both sides is they're, they're made to believe nowadays that it's okay to be selfish. And it's okay if you're a member of a persecuted race or a gender that, that you know isn't paid equally to hate the other side, to be equally racist, to be equally uh, sexist. It's okay because you have been victimized. So you have the right to lash out and to be angry and, and to be disrespectful because poor you. And this is the mentality of our country now. Poor me. All about me. Grab what I can get. And lost in all of that is right and wrong, making the moral choice, doing what's best for the whole, making sacrifices. So obviously, I'm imploring you to sacrifice more, to think about the whole more, to do the right thing more, and to realize that doing the right thing is a balancing of right and wrong and a decision that often involves doing less good from yourself than you might otherwise want to do. Getting less for you because it gives more to the whole and that's better for you. If you need to think of it selfishly, think of it that way. That in America, we are part of a big community. And if the community survives and thrives more, that's good for you. So even if that means that at least in the short run, you need to take less or get less for you right now 
because it's going to help the whole country function and thrive and survive more, that's good for you in the long run. So look at the bigger picture. Think about the future and make those sacrifices that are for the good of the whole. Please. That includes wearing a mask currently. That includes you know, social distancing, staying home if you can. That includes compromises if you're a politician with sides that are blue if you're red or red if you're blue. Do the right thing means sacrificing for the good of the whole. Please try it. Give it a shot. I still have hope in this country. I still believe we have good people here. I just think we need to try a little bit harder to remember what it's like to be good. I love you. Yabba da boop